Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weed and now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peace and out. Alright, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. everybody and welcome in to rebellions bloom our star wars umbrella show here on the penny bloom podcast it is i colton robertson and i am joined by joseph george what's up beautiful oh what up what up always a pleasure to be here and thank you you're you're very beautiful as well oh thanks honey uh i'm also joined by kbz kyler barnett what's up sexy I was getting ready to say what what's the what's the adjective because I was like if he's beautiful I got to. It would have been kind of brutal for me to just say what's up Kyler. Yeah. Hey, Kyler. Yeah, I was I was like, <laughs> yeah. No, what's up, hey, fellas? Get into it. Uh, no, I'm uh I'm, I'm living good. I'm living good. We got some good Star Wars today. We're talking the Mandalorian season three episode four. We've reached the halfway point there, and we're also going to talk the Bad Batch season two episode fourteen. So we are uh, we are pushing on through that one. Uh, we're actually going to start with Mandalorian today because it's been a lot more pressing on the mind on a personal note, just because it's also been a lot more present on my Twitter feed and the discourse has been kind of maddening as it usually is. Um, but I, I say, I say we start with that. Let's, let's talk the foundling directed by Carl Weathers and so happy he directed an episode that he wasn't in. I don't know. That almost feels like it, it. It almost feels like they're granting him more credence. They're just like, yeah, fuck it, man. Do your thing. We yeah. Definitely well, for a loop there. I don't know. I, I just feel like as a, as a writer or anything, like it feels weird to like write yourself into or like write about like yourself in an episode. Like, how do you, how do you do something that like doesn't make fans say like, oh, he's spoon feeding himself. Cause like that yeah. seems to be, I mean, we're, Star Wars fan base is a pretty volatile group of individuals, if you haven't noticed yeah. by now. Um, so, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, eh, that feels like a hard thing to do, is uh, write yourself into an episode. So, good for him. Basically stayed far away from Navarro all, all, the whole the whole episode. So, you know. Hey, and got to direct one, uh, top oh. tier, one of the biggest moments in this show ever, which is pretty fucking cool. I love me some Carl Weathers. That made me very, very happy. We are obviously going to be doing spoilers here. There will not, there's no, there's no spoiler free for a little bit. We'll jump into it later. No, we are going spoilers from the jump. If you haven't seen it, leave. If you haven't seen it, but don't give a fuck, stick around. I don't care. It's up to you. You know, I warned you now. Uh, so leave now if you don't want to hear spoilers. Like now, three, two, one, it's done. Yeah, that shit was awesome. The save, my boy, Ahmed Best. Coming Dude, back man. as Keller Beck. Ooh. I I didn't know this. You you let me you keyed me into it after I watched it. Um, I just thought that this was just some new Jedi, and it it excited me just because it was some new Jedi. And then you're like, oh no, this is this is the guy who played Jar Jar Binks. And I'm like, ah. And then you're like, oh yeah. Also, he start you know he he started this like kids show, um, where he is this Jedi, and you know it's he's basically just like a jedi master but in real life kind of which is like mm -hmm. he's teaching kids like it's an actual children's show yeah and his first line is everything's gonna be all right kid like the yeah. first thing he says and i was like oh 
I was like, oh dude. my god, and so he's a much. fucking badass. Yeah, the yeah, double saber. Yeah, oh dude, and he was he was he was using them. He he knew what he was doing with them things. That's dude, badass. I loved I loved it. I loved it so much for him. It made me so happy. The Phantom Menace lover in me was just nutting at every moment in this episode that featured Ahmed Best because we also got him in a Nabu one of the royal ships of their fleet and it reminded me of when we saw Jar Jar in one of those ships okay is this are, are we I don't know I kind of just thought of it as like oh my god that's a Naboo starfighter like or not starfighter just just ship and I'm like I'm gonna hear the noise then I heard the noise and I was like oh but then I'm like hold on a minute was the plan to take him to Naboo was that the plan? You know, like, are they going to Naboo? Like, it, it doesn't seem logical. Like, Palpatine, they, you know, it's I don't know. It's Naboo, like, yeah. But, as someone made a good point, is look at where Luke Skywalker was hidden on the home planet of Anakin Skywalker. So it's like, it doesn't really matter. The Star Wars universe, it's, it's a galaxy. We say it's big, but it's a pretty small universe, you know, with the things that happen. It's, you know... Um, so I don't know, maybe is Gro- like, I'd say maybe he goes to Naboo right away, but then they realize like, oh, we can't really stay in one place for long. And then mm-hmm. that's how the path gets started. I really hope we see like the start of the path and, and that Kellerman is the start of the path um, that we Kellerman. see in Obi-Wan or Kellerman. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I really hope that he starts the path. And then... That would be really fucking cool, uh, and I would like I would really really enjoy that. Yeah, I just I just loved seeing the the full circle moment Ahmed Best had here, and I hope I'm I can't imagine it's the last time we see him. We leave this at the end of a pretty like obviously they got off planet. We saw that escape, but it, there's a lot of gaps to fill in there. How would he get to the little fucking hut that he was in where where they found him? The planet oh, yeah. Quill was on. Like I don't know what the fuck I don't know what the fuck happened there. A long time. That's a long. That's a, that's a long, long gap. Time. Yeah. So I don't know. We. I think we'll we'll go back to him for sure. Um. And I, I hope. Yeah. We do. Competed in the ultimate Jedi Temple challenge there. Uh, that's what the little YouTube children show he hosts is called the Jedi Temple challenge. And boy, did he face one having to break Grogu out of there. And I also love that all four of those Jedi knew exactly where he needed to go. It kind of made us seem. It made it seem like Keller and Beck had like some notoriety, or maybe it was just known that he worked with Grogu personally. So it was like because what they yell is like, "Get him to Kellerin. get mm. him to Kellerin. Yeah. yeah, which is like this, he he'll be safest if he's with that guy. You know what, what I'm saying? I kind of believe that that he is the path or the start of it because this was a plan that was already set in place. Like this was known, or it's either. He's just that much of a badass that they're like, oh, all right, get him, get it, get him to him, you know, like, but I, I think it's more of like, he has an actual thing set in place to save someone and get someone off. Like it, I don't know. This was very planned. Like, Hey, well, I'm going to meet up see, with some of I our friends. See that. I could also see them just being like, this guy is far and away besides Yoda, the best with kids. Ooh, okay. You know, like, get this straight-up small child. And the fact that they made Grogu look even littler and younger was fucking adorable. Man, Uh, it's a shame. It's a a, a shame that Anakin Skywalker turned to the dark side because he's really good with kids, you know, just great with kids. Loves kids. fantastic. Does does a great job. Yeah, women and children, too. Uh, Yeah. No, he, he really does that. 
Yeah, he does. No, but but <laughs> it was I was I was so happy with that part in the episode. Like they said, get him to Kellerin, and I was like, Kellerin, Kellerin. Why do I? Why do I know that name? What's going? And then the doors open, and I'm, it was Ahmed Best, and I literally stuck both fists in the air. I didn't say a word. I just lifted my arms. I was like, "Oh my fucking god, yes, that's why I know that name." Oh, dude, it made yeah, me so I mean, happy. He he, like it was one of those things where I didn't really know the name or the lore behind that character per se, but I knew as soon as I saw him the who it was, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's so great." Because I was so happy for him, man. Dude, I mean, anytime, like, Colton, we've touched on this a lot, specifically, at least you and me, is, like, growing up in the age of, like, the, the prequels and stuff, is, like, regardless of the hate that those get, like, I will never not associate those with, like, my childhood. Like, yeah. those feel yeah. more, like, as crazy as it is to sound, like, back, like, those feel like, like, the... I guess you could say, like, the homey vibe of Star Wars for me. Like, that's, like, the comfort era of Star Wars. Just because, like... Even more so, the Phantom Menace, specifically. That's just, like, what I grew... Like, when I was a kid, and, like, what brought me into Star Wars is, like, those were coming out. And, like, it's pure as all get out because, like, you're growing up and not, like... You don't realize the magnitude of, like, oh, my God, a new Star Wars movie. Because, like... I didn't really know that, but, like, at the time, like, as a kid, like, I didn't realize how long it had been since, you know, um, Return of the Jedi till Phantom Menace, or even, like, any of the ones that can't, because I think, well, Phantom Menace is 99, right? Yeah. So I'm technically... 99-02-05. Yeah, so, I mean, realistically, the first, like, couple that came out, like, when I was live was Attack of the Clones and then uh, Revenge, or Re- yeah, Revenge, Revenge of the Sith. Um, you know... It's just, like, so crazy, like, to get to... You see so much hate on it now, and it's, like, so sad, because it's, like, you know what? Like, I get it. Like, maybe critically, these movies aren't what people think or or want or, like, thought... Like, you know what I mean? They just get hate, and, like, it's so sad to see the magnitude of it, like, how bad it is. Like, it's not just as simple as, like, I don't like this movie. It's, like, no, I don't like this movie. This character sucks, and he ruined the whole franchise. And, like, I can't imagine, like how important it was to like every actor and and person, a part of the Phantom Menace, a part of attack of the clones, like what it felt like to be a part of star Wars and like to have that experience ruined like that in a sense. And like, I'm it best himself. Like he had dealt with so much like, dude, just the stuff he dealt with is just so ugly. It's so sad point in his uh point in his life after after his appearances in the prequels as Jar Jar Binks where he contemplated suicide because yeah, of the man. reception from fans and how oh much people hated God. him. Uh horrible. So to see to see him come full circle, return to the franchise and be um a pivotal a pivotal character and beloved by our generation. Like there's not a single person I've seen online today I've seen so much, com- so many complaints about the Mandalorian and everything. Not a single fucking one is about Ahmed Best. It's yeah, it's so there's so much celebration around him returning. Man. Man. I was good. so happy for him. I was just I was so happy that like uh, and, I, I, and it just keeps getting better. I don't know. Yeah. like hearing these, yeah. I don't know. You're just sweeting it even more. This is dude, and good. the thing I love about it is it's like he's arguably the most 
unhateable character in the entire, like one of the most unhateable characters in Star Wars history. Now, he saved Grogu. If you have a problem with this guy, you basically wish that he would have been left behind or killed. Like, nah, don't try to tell me, oh, it could have been somebody else. Nah, fuck that. That's who it is. I love it. it. I love yeah. it. Yeah, Dude, I it made me so yeah. fucking happy. And I'll forever, I'll like, that scene alone made this uh made this single episode a 10 out of 10 enjoyment for me whenever we come to the rating later like that's that's enough to propel it to that level you know uh and i wanted to talk about the highest highs of the episode before we get into the more nitty-gritty of like what uh we're at the halfway point you know we are at the halfway point of this season and a lot of the discourse in the in the interwebs today is uh the the main argument is have is this season of television good so far? That's that's the that's the conversation going on. Has any plot been driven forward? What's going on? What can we say? Um, and for me, on a personal note, I've I've thoroughly enjoyed the season. Every episode, I've left going, man, that was a solid episode. I had a good time. It was everything I wanted. Uh. And then I, I look at the the overarching season so far, and I'm like, it's kind of insane that we've, me and Joe were talking about this off mic. It's been so bang, 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 bang. This like things are moving, they're happening. It's it's always it's always fucking going, and yet we've it still feels like we haven't made a dent in whatever story this season is trying to tell. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, there's so many moments that I want just to slow down and just i don't know like so many times where i'm like ah what a nice moment we're getting like even in this episode you get grogu's little armor piece that's made for him you know and i feel like the cut there was just very harsh and it's like bang right to action um whenever din you know saves um ragnar is that his name um yeah ragnar um and, and gives him back to to paz and he, and he pulls him in you know real close and he's like oh like think you know are you okay? You know, talks to him first and then, and then goes to Den like, thank you. And it's like, no, this is the way. And then cut, you know, like super harsh. And I'm like, man, like, I'm glad that like all of these things are happening, but it just feels like it's lessening the impact of them because I have to just, oh, okay, we're on to what I have to, what's going on next? Like, oh my God, we're on to fucking Coruscant and the Order 66 era. Like, holy shit, what's going, you know, and then, but that's the thing. I'm moving so fast, but man, it are we? Yeah, I can see what you're saying, and I think this is where like it's so weird watching like Mandalorian and Bad Batch in like the same day for me because it's just like such drastically different viewing experiences, and that's to be expected to a degree from like animation to live action. But like what you're kind of talking about, Joe, is like to me, it's like the like how well or how long do you let like a moment breathe? And it's like there was a moment in this week's Bad Batch episode or a couple that I was like, man, they really let that like breathe and like sit with you for a second versus like you kind of hit it on the head. Like it is moving very quickly and like it's just I don't know. Like this is so weird because I'm I'm looking at like all the narrative on Twitter and it's all so like episodic like like criteria critiques. Yeah, critiques, I guess. And like, oh, well, and then, you know, it starts talking about comparing to like the seasons. And, like, I look at, like, I just watched The Wire recently, and I see, like, when people tweet about The Wire, it's, like, every season, and it's, like, order and, like, what rank they put it and stuff. 
it's just going to be so interesting to see, like, I know we're only halfway there, but it'll be so interesting to see. I would love to get, like, the average viewers, like, rating of this season, like, as it sits right now at the halfway point, and then see what it finishes as, and then where that stacks up to, like, what we've gotten in the first two seasons, because it is a very unique thing, and it's like, I touched on earlier, where, like, I feel like I've said before in Mandalorian that, like, they've, they're backing themselves into a corner. They have to give us an out with this story. Like, they just have to. Like, we're running out of time, and then, like I said, they just kept prolonging it and prolonging it. So it's like, why do I feel like this is so drastically different? And it's like, I guess I just won't be able to really tell until it's over. And like, that's where I'm trying to put my energy to, but I can tell you why it's different. And I'll, and me and Joe were having this conversation just a second ago. He was like, I don't know what they're, I don't know what's missing. I don't know why I feel the way I do. I, I've been thinking about it all day. So I've had a lot. I've, I've just been like, why, what am I missing? And you know, when you look back at season one, the direction for that show, the first three episodes are a very clear arc about Den falling, not falling in love with his child or anything, but like, you know, gaining a, a sense of responsibility for Grogu and wanting to take care of him and protect him. In episode four, we get the sanctuary where he goes off and uh, they, they protect a village. Uh, he lets Grogu run around, live his life. This, this is a very... It, that was a very story driven choice, you know, like people are saying that this season's been very character focused. It's been so it's been such a character piece so far. The first four episodes of season one were a character piece. That re that really got us into the mind of our character that really let us know where he was sitting, where they were, what, what they were feeling and stuff. And I'd say Bo-Katan's gotten that this season, and I'm one hundred like I have no complaints about Bo-Katan's story so far this season. Bo-Katan's been incredible. Uh, season two, now we're getting more to the territory where it's like, oh, well, this is a little bit more comparable to season two. See, uh, season two premiere, we're looking for the Mandalorian covert so that we can get our get direction back to the Jedi. We end up stopping at Tatooine, doing this whole thing with Cobb Vanth. Episode two, we got to transport the Frog Lady. Episode three, we come into contact attacked with uh Bo-Katan and uh Bo-Katan and all them and then episode four is the one-off on Navarro where they're trying to take down an imperial base and it's like okay yeah that is a little bit more all over the place but again we still have a story there is a background there's a background threat in the empire and there's a back there's a overarching story trying to return Grogu to the Jedi that's that's what's going on here can either of you give me a direct threat to our protagonists or a direction for which this story is going? Only predictions and not like it, it, it's yeah. a prediction. It's not like a, oh yeah, this well, is where we're going. Yeah, and, no, and that's I, the thing. Like it, It's not a bad season of television yet. Mm. It can be. It, yeah. it, yeah. They, they have to do really well in the back half for this to end up being like, oh, okay, we had nothing to worry about. But right now, I, I, I think people are getting, like, I understand being protective of your Star Wars. I, I, I'm the very same, you know? Like, if I like something, I'm like, come on now. It's not as bad as you're all saying. And it's not, like, it's still not as bad as many are making it out to be, but it's certainly not as good as many are making it out to be. It's very enjoyable. It's very fun. I've had a great time. But we're not touching the levels of quality I think the first two seasons had. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, Mandalorian has just set us, and this is where they're at the burden of like competing with themselves. Is like they have set a bar entirely different than like what it feels like we're reaching just yet. And it's like you say, like, what is the like where like kind of what are we going towards? Joseph, like, I only can predict, and like that's kind of the issue. Is is like you said, it's like you've been given these little inklings of like, oh, the the New Republic and like the uh, Dr. Pershing and like a nod to Moff Gideon. And it's like, but those don't really like tie into each other unless you're just kind of tying those shoes yourself. You know what I mean? It's not like they're laying this out for you. And it's like, Colton, you mentioned this too, is like antagonists or, you know, or things like, it's like, God damn, I can't tell if the cult is going to be somebody we're worried about, if I should be worried about Moff Gideon coming, somehow Gideon has returned or like, what, what am I, what am I supposed to be afraid of? Tell me so I can be anxious. All right. No, I'm asking that. for and, it. And that's, that's the other thing is then, that, then I start to feel like a little bit of a hypocrite whenever I have that complaint, because I've always been passionately of the mind that showing not telling is very important and and a storytelling from a storytelling aspect but they haven't showed or told they i don't know they're just they're telling a lot i feel like there's like i i remember at the beginning i'm like well it's not andor you know this isn't a critical masterpiece this is i'm not expecting that you know and there's a lot of things that just sound like narration but are just mm -hmm. said in natural you know, speak, but now, like, this episode, it's, like, they're just narrating what is happening, like, straight up, because they have to, because they're moving so fast, that you, you need to understand those details, like, um, I don't know, it's just, it just feels like they're just, it's just, I don't know, there's no deeper something, and, and like, there's something that we need more that to tie everything together, but we haven't got, gotten that quite yet. No, yeah, and I I trust that the Empire is like we've seen the Imperial remnants go and destroy Bo-Katan's castle. We've we've heard we've seen Elia Kane fry Pershing's brain. We know we we know they are still a threat, but they are nowhere near a threat to our protagonists, which is which uh, lowers the story stakes a little bit. We are just kind of, we are dwelling with our characters in a really interesting way, but like Joe said earlier, we're not giving these these interactions enough interactions enough time to breathe in order for them to be character moments. Like uh, the all all the heavy lifting this season, as far as story, is Bo-Katan. and people are and like people like I said, people are saying it's a character piece. It's a character piece. Have you seen what they're doing with Bo-Katan? Bo-Katan's the only one with a with a linear story so far this season. She's the only one who's had who's had events happen that make sense in succession of one another. And like I could see if the story is building towards a point where Bo-Katan like they just they just really got to stick the landing the second half of the season is all. You know, like uh yeah, it's tough. I don't know. We're we're. It seems that like I remember the main two or the main complaint of seasons one and two is that like it just feels like filler or it's just Mando going on another mission where oh no baby Yoda took the blank and then Mando's you know it, it felt like a formulaic show whatever and I'm like I don't feel that and I don't feel like it's filler because I feel like these moments that you get to sit with the character are important because you get to. See what just they think in normal situations. Those 
are character yeah. pieces. Yeah, like the filler. The things that people are calling filler. They think it's negative. They think it's like, well, nothing flashy is happening on screen, so it must be bad, you know? It, it, we're just sitting here. We're not doing anything. This is boring. I hate it. But that's the thing. We don't have any of that this season. And the main gripe or that we're not hearing at all, you know, like, we hear it in every other show. This is filler, filler, filler. I'm not hearing a single gripe of filler this season. And we are saying that we are we can't connect with the characters. Like it makes sense. Like it but the the thing is, the show is still filler in a way. Because it hasn't unraveled yet. Like there hasn't been it's like they're trying so hard to not have filler. But what they're showing us on screen doesn't really have weight either. Like, no, yeah, there's been there's been big big thing after big thing after big thing. You know, episode two you get, uh, you get the mythosaur, and episode three you get. Uh, I mean, like that's the one people have regarded as filler a lot, and that's because that's the one that's actually told us a pretty compelling self contained story. Um. And then episode four, you get the the flashback, the Order sixty six flashback, and these are all these are all really big, really important moments for our characters as far as understanding them. Uh, as far as uh, Bogatan's concerned, is with the Mythosaur, and as far as Grogu is concerned, but as far as understanding Grogu, we already knew what happened. We just didn't know who did it. That's true. You know, like, we know he escapes. We know he went through hell to get there. We don't know. We we just don't know literally what happened. This doesn't help us understand Grogu any better. It's just like, check this shit out. And I'm okay with that. It makes me very happy. I wanted it to happen. It needed to happen. But uh, it's... I feel I feel so I feel like a hater whenever I talk about how I need them to advance the story a little bit because... I am having a good time. Like I, I, I am. I am very, very much so enjoying the season so far. It's just not quite hitting the same as the first two seasons did. Is all so far. And I don't know if the novelty's worn off. I don't know. A big thing for me. I am fucking praying, just hoping, wishing, waiting that Moff Gideon is still locked up. Yeah. I swear to fucking God, dude. If he is not locked up, if he has escaped, this is officially not a very good season of television. They've abandoned seasons one and two. Like, if Gideon is just out and whatever, they've just kind of had a a, a reset this season, and they're like, all right, everything we've kind of cared about for the last two seasons, we don't really care about anymore. Like, he better be locked up. He better be because uh, if if he's not the the plot that is tied up in season two, nice little bow, beautiful ending to a lot of arcs. Uh, you got even on a small scale, you got Cardoon who decided to be uh, the marshal of of uh, Navarro, which obviously whole other set of reasons why that's not still happening. I blame her 100% for that, not the show. That's fine. Um, Din taking off his helmet and showing Grogu his face. Din's helmet's back on, and he's still staunchly believing in the way. Again, still time to unravel that. Still time to get to get somewhere with that. Uh, 
we it's just got to be in the next couple episodes you know like it's got to like unless they are like i said i can't remember if this was at the beginning of the episode or off mic before we started if they're stretching the season into a couple seasons mm-hmm. i could see that too uh but so Din Din removes his helmet for Grogu. It's back on. Grogu goes off with Luke. Return to the Jedi. Back back with Din. Nothing there. Um, if Moff Gideon is not locked up in New Republic custody, they undo that too. Bo-Katan seemingly le- leading a Mandalorian faction to get the Darksaber back. She's pissed that Din has it at the end of season two. She's like, what did you do? Like, that was my... Seemingly doesn't give a shit about that anymore. Um, hey, man, like, they gotta, they gotta hold on to something. The whole thing of, like, I don't just want to throw Grogu into this life right away. I should get him back to his people, you know, arc of let's not just throw him into this. Right when he came back to him, they threw him right into it. Like, and he's being thrown in even even more. Like, you know, it was cute to see Din, like, be like, all right, next, co- next combatant. My boy's coming up to fight, you know, or whatever. But, like, also, he was doing what he was supposed to be doing over there, Jedi training and taming animals you know, that you called rocks and that you interrupted his, his, his training, um, to go do some, some paintball. Um, No, yeah. Very important that whenever he gets picked up and walked away, all of them are rocks and all of them walk back into the ocean. Like they were like, we were here for him. Uh, like we were, we were booling with our boy. What the fuck, man? Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, and so like, and I don't want to, I don't want to, I, I've seen a lot of people lack patience. Like they need to just wait. Like things will unfold, and I'm sure they will. I, like I'm sure things will end. They always end up coming around. Like Kyler said, "Wow, we're getting to, we're getting real close here. We're getting to the end of the season. Wow, they've really got to do something." And then they always they've always managed it. They've always managed to get dig You're themselves right. out of whatever corner they they put themselves in. Uh, Maybe I just you know. It's better to keep you guessing instead of the story just being obvious and you know where it's going. Like, because I felt like, on one hand, I'm like, man, they're just doing a lot of things to make the show easily marketable. Like, this season is heavily marketable. Like, you're, you're flashing an Order 66 flashback, you're a mythosaur. Like, so many big things are happening that's just so easy to market. And it's like, whether they're going for that or not, I don't know. But maybe it's we don't know where the story is going necessarily. Did we know um halfway into season two? I guess when did when did Moff Gideon take Grogu in like Episode six? So like, yeah. They're saving the bulk of this story for six, seven, and eight. And I'm yeah. fully I'm fully prepared for that. I just think that a little bit like they are doing really subtle things that still give me hope. Like in this episode, there's this moment. Like I love, I lo- Bo-Katan's my favorite character for this episode. I have, I have no doubt about that. Bo-Katan's my favorite, favorite character this episode. And it's because of her kind of being open-minded to their way and kind of trying to learn the way that they do things. And also being like, she's not being so dismissive. She's at, 
What she knows has changed, so she's trying to be she's trying to be open to new things and stuff. So whenever they go on their mission and they're sitting around the fire, and uh, she she asks Din like, "How are you guys supposed to like? How do you guys eat?" Which is a very very fan fans have asked that question for fucking years, and then we've already gotten answers to that. But still, he you know you go off somewhere where no one can see you. You take off your helmet and you eat. Mm. Um, the fact that not the Kellen? thesis for the Mandalorians, as far as Bo Katan has seen it, is that they are too divided. They they aren't together enough. Mm. Oh, the fact dude. that they do feel the need to go in their solitude and eat, that's not a good thing. And you know, like that's and I think Bo Katan kind of recognizes that, but it's still like uh they're they're that's one of those good examples of showing, not telling. And but I don't I'm not getting a whole bunch of other about that this season Look at the other i mean we'll talk about the bad batch later but the bad batch it's like whenever you eat you're together and you're you're with everybody and you're sharing moment you know like on pavu like it was beautiful whenever they were all just mm. eating together and it was just a montage of you didn't hear anything it was just nice music while they were all eating and laughing and having a good time this group has to go into darkness and make sure no one can see their face while they eat food but it is I really like that Bo-Katan's your favorite. I, I expected it to be Kelleran. Like, uh, just, I, I'm a, I mean, maybe, I guess performance makes more sense, because he, he, I guess he had to do all that stuff. And that may, yeah, I mean, maybe he just gets... Oh, and I, I did give Ahmed Best my performance, just because it was Ahmed Best. It was his return mm-hmm. to Star Wars. Oh, yeah. I think, if I'm being, like, 100% honest with myself, Katie Sackhoff is also my performance of the episode, That's as far I, as what yeah. was best. But my mm-hmm. favorite was Ahmed Best as Kelleran Beck, yeah. That's what I was going to say is if you give Bo-Katan the character and Ahmed Best the performance, I was going to go the other way and give Kelleran the character and then uh, Katie Sackhoff the performance. Um, I dig that. Is what I was is what I was going to do off-rip anyways. Uh, because I guess he kind of deserves the performance too because he was wheeled. I, I, must, I don't know. Is that a stunt double or is that him wielding those sabers i don't know regardless it was pretty fucking cool character wise like this is i'm so glad that it wasn't mace windu i'm so glad that it wasn't someone big you know yeah or i guess yaddle would yaddle be dead uh did yeah yaddle would be dead it was a nice it was just a nice little acknowledgement and a nice little a very good example of learning from your past maybe not necessarily mistakes but learning from your past and not writing yourself into a corner they're not confirming anything by keller and beck being the one who saves grogu they're not being like oh mace windu's still alive he's out there somewhere uh they're not doing oh anakin decided to spare grogu no they're not doing any of that you know what i'm saying like this is a perfect this like whereas they went ahead and had luke save grogu at the end of season two. Now we're backed into a corner. Oh shit. How does he get out of here before Kylo burns the temple down? How do we do this? How do we do this? How do we do this? This is much easier, much simpler and much more fulfilling. Uh, maybe not much more fulfilling. It was great. And there's was, stakes. His, yeah. His life isn't guaranteed where if it was like, well, I guess if it was Mace Windu, his life's not guaranteed either, but you'd feel a little bit more like, well, this is Mace Windu. They'd probably keep him around for a little, you know, I guess you'd be like, yeah. you'd probably hold on to Mace Windu, but I mean, I really hope 
Kelleran stays around for a long time. But mm-hmm. I, he's in serious danger. But, Jedi that, but now I'm worried up, about you know? that yeah, character. Exactly. Yeah. So there's stakes I care about. Like it, it. I think it's it's perfect that you gave a prequel actor a chance to redeem himself and actually care about the franchise and have love and like this is it's just all around awesome in the real world. But then for the show as well, it like it just makes so much more sense and is so much better for the story. Like story wise, Grogu and Bo Katan are kind of the only two saving graces right now. Grogu's story is is very I I I just want to see because Grogu is talked, you know, kind of sat in front of the armorer and before he kind of starts to freak out and go into his flashback, the armorer is telling him the way, you know, and and with their beliefs and Grogu is is old enough now. He's wise enough to, like, not just believe all of this stuff right away. You know, mm-hmm. he's not just going to blindly accept everything the armorer says. Um, and so, I don't know, it's interesting seeing him react to some things she says. Um, yeah. And his face was really weird this episode. It was sad. Like his, his reactions, yeah, it was like, oh, man. It was like, really grim. No, yeah, yeah like, it was, no. it was some of the most interesting. Well, what's also really interesting is what I love about that is that's a car, that's, that specifically is a Carl Weathers decision. He gets to decide how Grogu feels in this moment. It is it is the director's job to direct actors. Uh like wow. that's like okay. that's that's Carl Weathers' choice to go. That's, this clearly awesome. would not be comfortable for him. Episode. He would very, very clearly be sad. Like and the way he like gets all grim and like he, he puts his head down. And by the way, that parallel to Den in season one, fucking fantastic. Uh, the and as soon as Grogu wandered in there alone, I was like, "Oh, we are absolutely getting the Order sixty six flashback." I was like, "Fuck yes, yeah. thank you." Uh, but no, you're you're one hundred percent right about Grogu and Bo-Katan being the saving graces of this season so far, story wise. Uh, because there's they they are the ones who this season has been about, and I'm one hundred percent okay with that. I wish they would lean into it more. That like that's that's all. Like I I think they've done a good job with what they have given us, but I still don't think they've done enough of it. Somehow, I feel like they're still being standoffish about mm-hmm. committing to the story that they want to commit to. And because uh, there's also this thing where the the children of the watch, you know, we I'm of the mind, and a lot of people are of the mind that I want them to go cult bad. But I've also always been of the mind that the armorer is not a bad person. She truly believes everything she's saying, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and therein, I don't think the cult, this specific cult is all bad people. It's just they are bogged down and they're victims the same way Din is, you know, like they have to be shown that things are different. bo yeah. will have to take them to Mandalore and be like, look at that. You know, that's a mythosaur. I, I think that's a thing I've been just overlooking is that Mandalore was destroyed. Like the like they're like they thought that the planet was inhabitable and you couldn't go back. So their home is gone and they're yeah, they're like they're scattered across the galaxy. You know, like there is no home. So at, like Bo-Katan is she found this new home and she's accepting it and she's trying to you know see what it's about she's like yeah i don't have any place to go her her home was just destroyed and now she's you know 
seeing if, if this is going to work out. But maybe a lot of other people in this group don't necessarily agree with everything that the armorer preaches. They're just kind of like, I have nowhere else to go. And if I go anywhere else, I'm on my own. At least here I have some Mandalorian. You know, maybe it's like they're not fully back with the way either. They just tell themselves that, you know, they have to be sort of thing. And because I, I really see if they're not going in the direction of Bo-Katan trying to change them or she's the one that is, she's at least going to counter to like the way she's going to be like, all right, we could take our helmets off. Like I'm assuming, I hope she gets to that point again where she can take her helmet off. She's like, all right, this is silly. Yeah. I think, yeah, right now I think she's just being respectful. Like she's just like, I'm at your guys's place. I'm doing things your way. I don't necessarily want to follow this forever, but yeah, this is good for now. What I really hope is not happening is that she's going to act that way for a lot longer than I'm hoping. And she's going to act that way until she builds up a following and she's like the leader, you know, and that's <laughs> her ploy or whatever, you know. But like, I I really don't think so. I, I really, I just want to get at like, I was really mainly saying that for like Paz Vizsla is if Paz Vizsla is not fully in agreement with the armorer. Um, and I think the, the interesting thing is, is his kid Ragnar? Um, is it biological or not? Um, uh, more likely not biological. Um, but if it is, it adds an interesting story element there where he would have to have had his child hidden for mm-hmm. a long time and who the mother is i guess we don't know but they would have had to be in hiding and he brought would have had to say that this is just a foundling um and you know we're, let's take him in uh but he's not my son because obviously that means that i would have Taking married someone off and so yeah, yeah. And, and yeah so like so he has to hide um and but i don't know is does he just outwardly say it's my son in the moment, like, in the nest, does he say that if that's the case? You know, would he just outwardly be like, it's my son? Because he'd be confessing to all of that, right? Like, No, yeah, it- that's that's my thing. Is you, you, you read into that a bit more than I did as far as the biological, con- the biological concern of it all. Because the armorer regards, regards Ragnar as a foundling later on in the episode. Mm -hmm. And there's also this fact that Dan earlier in the episode says something about how Grogu is not old enough to, uh, Grogu is not old enough to speak in there and cannot take the creed, which kind of implies that as soon as you can talk, you take the creed. That's something that happens pretty quickly. Um, so it, it just implied to me heavily that he is a foundling and the only way that it's possible for him to be biological if it's from a while back and then the child was hidden. Because there's also the fact in the Book of Boba Fett that Paz Vizsla is with the armorer and they're hidden. And if it is his biological child, they're not hidden together. Uh, mm. His son wouldn't be there. Um, mm. Now, the I don't think it's a stretch. We've seen it all over Star Wars to think that it's a, a found family. This is his adoptive son. Grogu regards Din as a father and Din regards Grogu as his son. You know, like that's, uh, you know, p- other people regard him as such. They go, you, yeah. did you think your dad was the only Mandalorian? You know, like, so like I've, I've come to the, I've come to the conclusion that they're, we've just found a kid who can actually speak, which makes it a little bit more 
like almost and the same species as Paz, which makes it a little bit more complicated and a little bit less clear as to because if Grogu could talk whenever he embraces Din, would he go, thanks, dad? You know, like probably we yeah. we have we haven't seen that yet though like he just That's he just true. can't talk yet it's so like the literal saying of it like he's my son and that's my like thanks dad like we just haven't gotten that out of Din and Grogu. I like to think that that's kind of the same relationship that Ragnar and Paz have though. I like to think it's a foundling. Okay. Uh yeah. It's a foundling situation because I think it also implies something interesting about uh whoever found Din. Oh, like do all foundlings have this relationship with the person who found them? You're right. Din calls. What does he say he is to Grogu? That I'm his ward. Is that what yeah, he said? I'm his ward. Hmm. So not dad. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. If if Din had a if that was his ward that saved him, you know, and it, it hmm. kind of is like their master, you know, or whatever. Or if or if he called that person dad eventually because someone brought up a point of like in real life cults you have to make people hate their family like you can't you have to let you have to make them disassociate themselves from their family so usually it's like no your family's been telling you lies your whole life like you can't listen to them they're not your real family we're your real family now sort of thing and it could be the case here you know of like you now like you are my son. I have found you. I have saved you. I will show you the way. You are my son. You know, like, it could be manipulative like that. I guess I was just, I don't know why it felt, I, I don't know. That's why I think, I think more Din and Grogu are an exception to this rule. And same with Paz and Ragnar, which I think is kind of kind of create an interesting relationship and companionship between Paz and Din. Um, because, you know, they've been at odds several times throughout the show, but then they always come together when it matters, whenever Din goes to save Grogu from the Imperials and Paz kind of leads a Mandalorian faction to, uh, protect him whenever all the bounty hunters come after him and stuff. And he's like, but the, but the covert, you know, like what, what is going to, he's like, this is the way, you know, like it's yeah. And then he says, thank you. He goes, this is the way. And it's like, they got a little payback thing there. So. And, you know, Paz challenged him for the Darksaber. I think they're going to have an interesting relationship where they're the only, mm. they're uh, in the minority of, because it feels very buttoned up. It feels very official. It feels very almost business-like uh, the way that they go about, you know, like, I'm his ward. Yeah. Who the fuck, who the fuck do you call your ward? You know, like, I don't know. I, I don't call anybody my fucking ward. You know, that feels like, uh, like, I don't know. Uh but it's uh it, it just it feels buttoned up for the like to save face in front of people and then whenever emotion gets the best of you you can't you can't hide it i'm sure paz would regard ragnar in most cases as his ward and then he's like he's in danger i have to do something that's my son you know like that that is my child so it's like I, I, I'm interested by the, the fundamental relationships between, uh, foundlings and wards and how that might work. And, uh, because apparently there's also levels to it. Like he's like, if he ever wants to ascend from a foundling, from a foundling to an apprentice, mm-hmm. it's wouldn't the he Jedi just keep, order. It's the you know, Jedi wouldn't he just order. keep being Din's 
Dude, they had to take the kids away so young from the Jedi Order so they don't have attachments of their family. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, and they're using the same words. Like, youngling, sure, is different. But apprentice? That's the same word, even. Yeah, Padawan. Yeah, dang. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know. It's it's a little too similar. And, and you know, George Lucas, he, it's like poetry, you know, and he likes to say it all, you know, it all has some some connectivity there um so i don't know i think this is i don't know they're mirroring a lot of just jedi things in here a lot of parallels with that no yeah i'm 100 percent with you like there's definitely plenty of uh there's plenty of parallel and i think that that's why i have hope that they're kind of like it's doing the same thing you know it's not all bad there are redeeming things about the Jedi Order. There are, there, like, the way that the armorer treats Grogu here, you know? It's not, inher- like, it's, I don't even think this is indoctrination that she's doing. She's just talking to him, you know? She's treating him like a child and kind of trying to teach it, just trying to tell him about the way they do things. And she's got the little, the rondelle that she she presents to him. She's like, "Yeah, you'll wear this until you till you grow into it, and that'll be really really cool." Like, mm. have a fun time, you know. Like, like they they work hard to protect their own. Like, there's what? there's a lot of there's there's. Did we miss what the armorer told Grogu because he was having a flashback? Did yeah, we miss sure. the indoctrination. You know, maybe, maybe um, because I don't know. Maybe I have been too much of like in the headspace of this is just cult, cult, cult. Because when you look at it, the Jedi Order is very cultish as well, but we accept them as the good guys just right away, you know? Like, they're just the good guys. Um, so I don't know. May- I don't think that's where they're going with this, but... No, I, I yeah, I don't, I don't really know either. I'm intrigued at this point just because they haven't really... Uh... You know, I've said they've done some subtle things to kind of indicate to us, like, oh, cult, not all good. But they've definitely done a lot of, a lot of, a lot more work, in my opinion, to go, oh, cult, not all bad. You know, like, uh, I think they've done a lot more of that direction this season than they have the other, which is, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But, uh. Can we just talk about how absurd the training methods that this fucking cult uses? Because, like, they were just raining out shots into water with no rhyme or reason. What the fuck are we doing? Like, I was like... I, I, I don't know. I thought I was the only one who maybe, like, was thinking that shit was weird, but surely not. Like, dude, they are not even, like... It doesn't Why look like they they're really focused here? on one ripple of water. They are just bow, bow, just no, letting it rain. These weapons work, you yeah, know. Yeah, like what? Are, what are you getting better at? There ain't no moving target out there. You're just aiming at the water, and it's like, look, it, it it's like what we do when we've got like fireworks or some shit, and you're like, oh, how far can I push this? What can I do that would be different than just lighting it and shooting it straight into the air? What could I? What's the full? What's the limit I can push here? Maybe yeah. that's just me, I don't know. But, like, <laughs> it felt just like, oh, hey, let's see how big of a rock I can throw into this water. Oh, let's just see how many shots I can shoot into the water. Think I think what you're kind of getting at is a little bit more important than it might seem at face value. They're extremely disorganized. 
I don't think any of them ever actually trained in Mandalore. All they do, anytime they actually have to do something, it's to go save someone because a giant animal comes up and attacks them. And they all get fucking free-for-all. They don't do anything. No, like, that's facts, because if you remember episode one, it, if it wasn't for Mando and the fucking N1, Gator. that shit would have been done for. That's done really. for. Why yeah, stay okay. here? I okay. think the planet okay. is actually more interesting. See? Because... See? Sometimes I'm just, like, scraping the no, little surface. Hey, I'm, like, 40% of a take, and then Colton just... You're on Colton it, and Joe no, hammers the 60% home. I think yeah, maybe baby. the more important aspect um, of that is that they're together, but they're not doing anything. They're shooting water. As Mandalorians, no, they're shooting water. Literally, just like so they're sh- just they're together. Out shots. Yeah, they're together. They have the way. They have this family, whatever. But they have no cause. You know, but they have nothing the smoke to fight comes, for. They don't yeah. know how to answer. They ain't got shit for it. They say, "Um, let's just start shooting." I guess. So, anyways, they started blasting. Wait. Let's think back to season one, episode three. When they did all come together to save, protect Din, and it was much more organized. Okay. Where were we in the Book of Boba Fett with the Armorer and Paz? Alone. By themselves. Is there a chance that all these patchwork Mandalorians aren't warriors at all? Aren't Mandalorian at all, and have have just taken the creed? Bunch of squares. Wait, not about that action. Because because honestly, if there were that many Mandalorian there, that Gator probably would not have been that big of a problem. Din is a real Mandalorian from Death Watch. He came in there. He had a ship, but like he he deal with it no problem. You know. The mission that they go to save the great dragon in Tatooine. You know what I'm saying? Wait a minute. By himself. I mean, I, I know he had Tusken Raiders and stuff to help him, but, like, he needed to get swallowed by a crate dragon and blow that bitch up from the inside. Nobody else did a lot. Um, this beast hide is too thick to penetrate from the outside. <laughs> <laughs> I must go from within. The mission that to go save Ragnar, obviously Bo, Paz, and Din were there, and there were a few others that joined them, or was that it? No, there were a few. There were a few. Did any of them make it back, or did all of them die out there? No, a lot of them made it back, um, if not all of them. Um, okay. Because I just they I, all I like it's a fucking clown car that gets out of Bo-Katan's ship at the end. The way that it's like all how the fuck did she fit those three giant fucking pterodactyls in there? Got a big. Are you? Sh- there were some of the uh, patchwork Mandos that walked out of her ship too. Yeah. Oh, I has, don't know. Oh uh, well, one, maybe. Yeah, maybe one. Yeah, actually, I don't know. Because they walk... It's You see Ragnar and Paz in the front. And then... Yeah, and then it's... There's a, there's two. There is two other Mandalorian that come out of the ship. Um, that are not Din or a main character. There's only two. Is that yeah, how many... Just... Is that how it's many just really fascinating that we've. I don't even know that their covert was this size whenever it was thriving on Navarro. I, I think you're you're totally right. These are just these are just people to make it seem. She just needs the numbers, 
you know, she needs like she needed the numbers. So like, I these are all. Cause I did not think about that. The people that we saw saved in, those were real Mandalorians. I mean, when they came together, like, holy shit, they were organized. They knew what they were doing. They executed everything well. And then it was just Paz in the armor. There was no one else there. Are all of these people found, like, new foundlings? Like, they have just now joined? Like, I think it makes sense because they're off just shooting water. And... Yeah, that's my thing, is that, like, the, the training method was so fucking disorganized that I was like, how, what, what's even going on here? It was so fucking goofy, and, and I, like, uh, I think it would be funny if that's just how they did things, but it's almost too goofy to not be purposeful, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's almost like, it's so, it stands out so bad that it's like, what are what's even going on here? Uh, I mean, regardless, it's even if they because that's the thing, you know, they go over the fact the Mandalorian's not a race; it's a creed. Like, is there? I would like to know how long the children of the Watch have existed. How long has this faction of mm. the Death Watch existed? Has it only sprung up as a result of the purge? It would make Is that sense. when it started existing? Because they were like, "Well, shit! Now we've got to now we've got to lock it down. We've got to hide." It seems like that's the only way that this ever even happened. Because that's the entire premise of why they have to hide, why they have to hide their faces, why they have to do all this. You know, like. Maybe this is just it was just the last remaining surviving Mandalore, like. How many Mandalorians were just left surviving? Was it just every Mandalorian that wasn't on Mandalore at the time? Like, did everyone on Mandalore die? You know, like, like there's no because Bo-Katan says she was there. She says I was there during the purge. She wasn't on the moon. She was on. She says she was. Oh wow. Okay. Okay. So some people may. How many? But like, how many? Like a lot, or like just there were like not many left. You know, like, was it kind of like the Jedi? Kind of like, there's some out there, but like, yeah, man, not I've really been a, lot. To, a lot of things are kind of coming together. Like, I don't know what the purpose is, but I've, I had, I had questions surrounding why they looked so fucking disorganized, why every pe- every single person's armor is patchworked. Like, it's like, none of it matches. And historically, every single Mandalorian we've seen is very uniform. They have a look, they have a vibe, they have a style. You know, like they, they, their armor is, looks a certain way. It's a little odd that all of it feels kind of thrown together, you know? And I, and that's not, I'm not trying to blame the show for like, oh, it feels just lazy. No, it feels like the cult is mm. thrown together. Like Thank it feels like right. they did something to kind of just yeah. phone it in. No, you're right. Yeah, Paz, Paz is like his suit, it has a theme. Totally, the armor. I mean, she's the armor, you know. But man, I don't. Even Din's when it was kind of patchy, it still had a still a had theme. an overall vibe. Yeah, yeah. Like, man, was it? What made it just be Paz in the armorer alone? The after after Din stole Grogu and they revealed themselves on Navarro, they and had to go they and just hide. Got, 
so they just everyone left each other sort of yeah. thing or like because so uh scattered well just... remember we return at the end of season one and there's just a giant pile of mandalorian helmets because that's, imperials uh, went into the covert and that's right killed them uh and he asks you know did anyone survive and she goes yes a few made it off planet it's not a lot. It's not nearly the number that shows up here. You know what I'm saying? Wow. I don't know. Maybe there is a lot more kind of going on than we think. And and one and some things that happen will make us see like, oh my god, this is what's been like this is what's been cooking up the whole time, you know, sort mm. of thing. Like like because if, if that's true, then like the armorer is putting on a front kind of right. Like, I don't know, she's kind of like desperate that's why like yep bokatan you redeemed you are in our our cult now thank you like she does like any chance she can to get anybody she's gonna you know gonna take um especially when they're actually well trained and a good you know mandalorian Mm. so um i want yeah i wonder well and it would also just lend credence to the idea that there are a lot of people who are like Oh, geez, this armorer lady, she's pretty intense about the rules. You know, like it would lend credence to them being like, I don't know if I really like this is because they didn't know what the fuck they were really getting into. Um, okay. Man, yeah. But they better regardless, get they better I think we've get done rolling. plenty of discussion yeah. about yeah. the episode itself. Let's do some favorites. Um, I, I, me and Joe exchange favorite character and actor. Kyler, what about you? Favorite character and actor here? Um, character, I'm going Grogu. I just felt like he was given a lot of chance to, like, I I don't know, like, one thing I've seen on Twitter lately is a lot of people talking about the expressionism of Grogu, like, as, like, the the puppet, or, like, as I understand it, there's two different versions of him, like, at any given point. Like, I think one for action, and then, like, one for, like, the the in-the-egg type scenes or something. The facial. I don't... Yeah, I I mean, just, like, he got a lot of chance, and, like, you feel like, I don't know, like, this this episode, like, you really felt like emotionally you're getting a little bit to understand him, which, like, for someone who is practically nonverbal, um, that's, like, somewhat of a challenge, I guess you could say. So it's just been really good to see, like, like that moment. Like, it's it's just nice to see, like, a bigger picture for him and, like, you're seeing that, like, that's his memory. Like, that's his recollection of it. You know what I mean? Like, you're not seeing, like, just, like, what unfolded from, like, just kind of, like, a... not Like, that's his perspective. And, like, that's... I mean, that's... That is what he remembers. That's what we call trauma. That's what we call trauma. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, for one thing for me, like, one thing that kind of helped, like, drive it home for me is, like, the moment where, like, him and uh, Kellen are, are, are flying out and, like, they hit hyperspace... And, like, you can still see in that moment, like, in the original, like, Grogu is paying attention to, like, all the lights and, like, what it looks like to be in, like, hyperspace and stuff. And, like, you know that, like, we've seen it in this season, like, what he did and how he reacted in hyperspace. Yeah, you know, I was gonna say, and, and, and cool, <clears throat> cool recollection of season yeah, three and yeah. one. So I really just thought, like, that was kind of the driving it home for me. Like, I just, I really liked him. And, like, he had a big growth moment, too, is, like, you know, you feel like... I mean, you didn't see a ton of his training with Luke, but, like, it's not only nice to see that training kind of get paid off, but you're also seeing him do a totally different type of training in a totally different type of environment that he's accustomed to. 
And like he answered, you know what I mean? Like he 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 you know that, Ragnar. Yeah, that was that was one cool does to not see. Speak unless one knows. Glad you said that. That's my favorite line if we're gonna go there, because that was my favorite line from the show. Okay. Um something Mine I could was, probably take a couple yeah. uh couple pages yeah. out of. I should probably listen to that a little better, but um that's just awesome, man. Like what was just, what was it specifically? The one does I, not speak unless one knows. Yeah, that's okay. just um because mine's kind of from that same the same scene, but it's whenever Din is like, well, maybe this lesson's for you. Um, mm-hmm. is what he says to Ragnar because I don't know. I think it's that's hilarious. Hand, yeah, because a I, different line no, from chance. that same scene. Oh, <laughs> mine's uh, uh, I've seen what you can do show them okay mm, wow mm. wow we did it um <laughs> we did it oh man i didn't have a grogu line dang it did he say anything this episode Ooh, i think that man weird. was completely nonverbal. this one he, he, yeah. he cooed he was yeah. cooing. Yeah. just more he was, yeah, he was babbling he was cooing gotta, and babbling yeah maybe this that's what we've been that's what we've been saying at my apartment just so you guys know my roommates they've been watching mandalorian and stuff and it's kind of funny because like i'll usually watch it like first thing wednesday morning and I get up a little earlier than the rest of them, and then they'll watch it, like, Wednesday night or, like, Thursday or, like, just some other day. And it's so funny because, like, eventually they'll come around, and, like, we just look at each other and we'll be, like, cooing because, like, we have subtitles on, and every time Grogu says something, it's babbling. just cooing, babbling. So now, like, we'll be at practice, and I'll just look at him and be, like, cooing. <laughs> <laughs> and it's pretty funny. Uh, I also have a line that wasn't a line in the show, but a line that was in my head after seeing something in this show that I just want to make reference to is there's always a bigger fish because when that I fucking pterodactyl... <laughs> we all said it. Did we all yeah. say it? Yeah, it had to, man. There's always a bigger fish. There's always a bigger fish. Oh, did we all? I swear to God, we all said that. Yeah, Every dude. Star Wars fan it across just made me the laugh, nation like, at the same time with there's it's, always a bigger fish. Like, it's so funny to see, like, the cross-section of, like, moments in a show because, like, not only was I thinking about Phantom Menace and there's always a bigger fish, but I was also just getting an immediate callback to uh, fucking Jurassic World, I think. When is it the Dominus Indominus Rex or whatever goes it gets pushed into the water or whatever and then the fucking mega creature just comes up and chomps on him. Mm-hmm. Is no, that I don't know if that's the scene. I think that's at the end, but there is definitely a scene my where like Jurassic like, Park franchise knowledge ends at Jurassic Park. That's fair. I the world is the only one I've actually ever really seen of the new ones. I haven't seen I I think I did see the one I don't remember shit about it except a whole bunch of auctioning shit about dinosaurs. Mm. And then the last one, I, mm. I haven't even seen it and don't really care to, honestly. But. I I don't think – I think I've seen two and three from the original tr- the original Jurassic Park trilogy like fucking 15 years ago or whatever the fuck. You know, like forever ago. Mm. And then I think I was – I went to see Jurassic World Kingdom. World, if it's the first like of the like newer ones, it's World. I couldn't even tell you which one it was. Um, it was at a drive-in. Uh, you know how much watching gets done at a drive-in. Yeah. Uh, hey, 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 <laughs> hey, hey. Uh, but no, uh, a prehistoric yeah, no, ridge. Big, I mean, we got the prehistoric ridge, uh, prehistoric. We, uh, yeah, no, big pterodactyl vibes from the Shriekhawks this oh. week. Uh, um, and confirmed that the Shriekhawks are the logo 
or the symbol for the Death Watch. Um, that was all over it. Scoop. And, and yeah, because I was there. like, I was looking at it, and I'm like, ah, this, you know, the, the Death Watch symbol, it, it kind of just looks like a, I don't, it was just three, like, spikes, you know, yeah. at first. That's what I thought it was. I thought it was but a then, W. Watch. Yeah. And then, but I don't know. I just thought, I, I didn't really know what to think of it. I thought it was just three kind of lines. I'm like, well, yeah, that's a logo. Sure, I'll go. It's Star Wars. You know, right. some of their character letters are just fucking hieroglyphs, you know, or whatever. Uh, so I was just, I just kind of went with it. But then I saw the, the Shriek Hawk, and when it, when it, like, it flew straight up or down, like, that's what it looked like. And I'm like, oh, hold on a second. And I'm like, whoa, this is kind of cool. What if this is the same thing? And then I look it up, and I'm like, oh, shit. Wow, this is the same thing. So that's why, like, I was always thinking, I'm like, why the fuck do they stay here on this planet if all they do is get attacked by giant monsters all the time? (laughs) And it could be that, like, this creature, you know, is the symbol of Death Watch. You know, it is probably very very important to the founding of you know these people so they're like they think it's extinct i guess maybe i don't know no they said that this has happened many times before yeah um, no for sure so it's also it kind of feels like watching harry potter go back to school every fucking year and you're like bro ain't nothing good coming out of this shit get the fuck <laughs> out of there i know you learning i guess yeah, but I one of your die. teachers is always evil have you caught on yet yes and it's always the same on. fucking the same one it's always the position. one teaching the same fucking subject strange but yeah i don't know they I, like i guess it makes sense if they're like yeah this is this animal lives here and we love this this creature but like i think the symbol for death watch also was was the symbol of clan vizsla so Mm -hmm. there's also the fact that paz vizsla probably has a historic tie to this very symbol which is also pretty cool and bo bringing they did not treat this motherfucker like they gave one single shit about it they fucked that motherfucker up and then Mm -hmm. watched him get devoured so they did not give a shit. When the fucking Shriekhawk, like, threw Ragnar up, I was like, oh! <laughs> he yeah, was that... in him! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that was kind of insane. Uh, a sequence. Can you imagine... Whoa. Can we talk about... Wa- imagine watching your fucking ward, son, child, whatever the fuck you want to say. Imagine watching him get regurgitated up and then eaten amongst three little babies. Imagine that. Imagine, just for a moment, the, the, what you would be thinking as a as a parent, whatever the fuck, in that moment. Like, hey, what the hell? I'll tell you what I'm ready for, though. I'm ready for Bo-Katan to be riding that mythosaur while Paz, Din, and the Armorer are riding the Shriekhawks. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's why she brought him back, or that's yeah. why that she's gonna she's gonna be like, well, if I'm gonna tame this mythosaur, these other people gotta have something to make them feel good as well. Because if I pull up with a mythosaur, everyone's gonna be like, ah, oh, dang, I want some, you know, like she gets a mythosaur. Yeah, Bo's oh, just fuck. being fair, you know. Bo's now pulling up like, in the Cadillac and like, well, I can't gonna have be, these yeah. motherfuckers riding nah, dirty. Yeah. We gotta get a nine Toyota Camry. <laughs> But it's better than nothing. It's better than... On the Civic! With the muffler cut off. Uh, Get shit on. I don't know. I th- Bo, Bo is building up some reputation right now. The the armor... Dog, she steps that out of the is ship. real. She that steps is out of the real. ship. The armor's like, 
you have done the greatest honor that any <laughs> Mandalorian can do. You saved a youngling. Yeah, I found Oh, oh, you are missing an armor piece. Come. Like, they, they are treating her, you know, like, and everything she is hearing is like, oh, yes, me, me, me. Like, you get to sit by the fire. Okay. You, you're a leader. You know, you're our leader. Sit by the fire. This is the way. You come back. Let me get you your new armor. This is the way. Like, I... I no, I'm really glad you brought this up because I feel like the schmeat riding that's going on with the the armor and everybody of Bo-Katan is just going to lead to the ultimate, just the ultimate boom cut off because she's going to see through it and she's going to not see through it. But like they're going to do some fuck shit and she's going to be like, holy shit, they really just wanted me to like fall in line with this shit. And like you have shown me that that's not what the fuck I'm about one bit. And they're, yeah. she's going to she's going to. Get the fuck out of there. That's my yeah, opinion. They're, I'm, they're, I'm, butter, they're buttering her up so that she wants to stick around. They're not trying to follow her. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait. This better not be what is going to happen. But they said that this has happened many times before. What if... Like, you know how the New Republic has, like, their ways of... Like, we said that maybe Dr. Pershing's thing is... It's a little too orchestrated, so maybe they, they do this exact thing over and over and over again with every, you know, kind of multiple people. What if a child, a youngling, getting taken by an animal and needing to go save someone gives an opportunity for this new adult who joined the group... In this example, it's Bo-Katan. To be the leader of the group, like, you get to be made to feel important and be the leader, and then we will have you sit by the fire whenever you eat. We will have, you know, we will worship you when you come back. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe this is, you know, a little too orchestrated. Like, what if they know the Shriekhawks are going to come and take the kids? Like, what if that's, right. you know, and they're like, well, it's we're going to, I don't know, like... And that's how they keep getting people to join, like, to join and, like, make them feel important. Yeah, you just saved a youngling, but if it dies, I don't know, you were the leader of the mission, and now you can wear the sigil of, of Death Watch on yeah. your shoulder as well. You know, put Grow House Vizsla, you know. Yeah, I, man. In the I don't, no, I, 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 yeah. I could be going off, off the deep end here. Completely. No, I, I, a little bit, but I do think there's something to the idea that they're buttering her up so that she sticks around more so than being like, wow, I really truly admire you. I think it's like, you're welcomed here. We love you. Yeah. You're a good person. We want you to stay. You should stay with us. You know, like, uh, I think it's, uh, I think it's almost a little scary, uh, if you, if you like, uh, if they said it in a different way. But, uh, no, nah, I mean, it was, uh, it was it was a very enjoyable episode. In fact, I thought it was a really I thought it was a really well done episode too. You know, I think uh, that's been that's been the fascinating thing about this season is that individually the episodes have been really really good and really enjoyable. It's just as a season so far, they need to they need to tie it together, and we're I think we're heading in the right direction. But we'll see, we'll see. Mm. Uh, do we have any parting thoughts on this episode of The Mandalorian, though? Hmm. Let's see. Well. I guess we haven't said our favorite shot, but I think there's just kind of one undeniable shot of the episode, um, and it was just whenever it's Bo's ship and the Shriekhawk in the sun flying off in the distance together, <laughs> and then, you know, the title card pops I've up. Been, no, uh, yeah, that's that's 100% mine. I've been holding something in every time we've said the word Shriekhawk. Mm -hmm. um, you guys know the language of the Wookiees, like what they speak? Shriwook? 
Shriwook. Okay. It sounds a lot like it sounds a lot like we're saying Shri cock, and it's very funny to me. Shri cock. Shri cock. I, my God. Shri cock. I'm I've not heard gonna it, unhear that now. I've heard yeah. it every time since we hopped on because I've only typed it. You know, I've only I've only typed out Shri cock, and now all I can hear wow. is Shri cock. I yeah. Now I didn't hear it until you brought it up. Now I'm, I'm never sorry. gonna unhear it. But no, that's. I'm going to say it Shriekock now. Now yeah. I'm going to, like, say it that way. But I don't know. I think it, that that shot, oh. like, is a lot, I don't know, a lot more meaningful <laughs> now knowing that, like, this is the symbol of Death Watch and House Vizsla. Like, I don't know. She's right. flying with it. You know, seemingly, the shot seems peaceful, actually, when you look at it at a, free, at a freeze frame. Um, but I don't know. But, but it's, it's Bo's. I, this season is Bo's story, honestly. Like I, I hope that that's what the the rest of the season is about. Bo and Grogu, just give me Bo and Grogu for the rest of the season, and I'll be good. No, I'm 100 percent with you. I'm 100 percent with you. Uh, yeah. No, I think. Uh, shall we rate the episode? We're gonna kind of uh change things up a little bit. We're workshopping something. I feel dumb as hell every time we get to genre rating and we're like, yeah, it's a 10. It does exactly what it's supposed to do. Yeah, it's Star Wars, man. You got to fuck up pretty bad to not be a 10 out of 10 in Star Wars. Um, um, as far as genre is concerned. So we're all together and we're going to we're going to do uh, critical and enjoyment still, but we're going to wait it a little bit. Uh, we're going to put the critical rating in. So it just gives it a little extra bump in whatever direction the critical rating is in comparison to the enjoyment, uh, because I would say that's more important than the uh, than the enjoyment rating. No, uh, I mean, as far as a rating is concerned, it is more important whether or not you like a thing. But whenever it comes to rating something, objectivity is is important. I think so. I think it, it allows us to be a little bit more uh, approach the episode from an objective standpoint. So uh, enjoyment wise. What what say we? I mean, that's the thing is that I, I have been griping about the show a lot and that the pay, pace, whatever the story. But when it comes to enjoyment, I'm I'm firing at all cylinders here. Like I'm I'm seeing Order sixty six. I'm seeing Grogu be saved. That that's you know we already said that's enough. You know, just seeing and then and then now knowing um all of the just the Jar Jar Binks story arc. You know, in real life that happened. Yeah, um, is amazing. Best, um, yeah, like holy crap. So that's like enough to put me out of ten. But then also, like the other part, the other parts of the episode, I still did like and were still enjoyable. So, oh, like, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I think I think this is it is actually a ten. Um, this episode for me. But you in agreement there, Kyler? You feel you feel good about a ten out of ten in enjoyment, or are you are you still hezzy? No, nah, I'm good with a ten. I I mean, dude. I fucking love Coruscant. I have just loved getting the Coruscant content lately. And not to mention, you get um, Ahmed Best in there as a Jedi. Fucking that shit up. Um, I'm not mm -hmm. ever going to be disappointed. Um, yeah, man. It's just... It, it hit. And I'm going to be honest. There... I will tell you what. I feel like the Shriek shriek cock um scenes mm -hmm. in this episode and stuff 
they just that felt a little more genuine to Mando season one and two. Like that felt like something that you would see happening or or like expect in one or two. Whereas, like, I just think the issue is, is that we're ha- this this episode specifically marks the halfway point, and it was also one of the shorter episodes of the season, if not the shortest of the season thus far. So it's just like in the scale of that, it's probably not doing as much for people. But like, I felt like the things we got were pretty true to, um, like season one and two. So I, I ten out of ten enjoyment for me. You take out the Order sixty six stuff, you're probably rocking like. I would say eight and a half out of ten, but like it's there, so it's a ten. I can't, I can't dispute that. Like Dang. between the acting choice you made with it versus also the action of that scene, like I'm never gonna be mad. And can we just talk about how? Listen, I don't know of many things that feel just inherently Star Wars as fuck, but a Naboo blaster going off in Star Wars is always going to be ten out of ten oh. Star Wars feel. Oh. Um, it just and makes just my the noise fucking. It makes when it just goes. Just the, the, I don't know. Just like the the you know the, when it Dude, takes off. Oh, the bla- any, the blaster shots yeah, from those guards is just and it, it all oh, god. Any yeah. noise that comes from you're Naboo, just, you're, honestly. you're just hitting all the right notes yeah. there, man. You got Naboo. You got like the, the right <laughs> You got so many. You got so many noises from Naboo. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that those starfighters though. Oh, it was so nice just to such hear, a sleek ass look again. about them, bro. Oh, like it just man, you feel like yeah. they gotta be going fast, just the way they look. You know Forgot to saying? to bring up. You said that this is the shortest episode of the season. 33 minutes this episode, and that's include. I don't know, that's just on Disney Plus what it says, so that's including credits, I'm pretty sure. And their credits are long. They're usually like five, six-minute credits. The almost, Bad like. Batch, Season 2, Episode 12, The Outpost, 32 minutes. That's the longest Bad Batch episode. Um, so, like, this, this Mandalorian episode where, you know, we could have an hour slated, you know, either 45 minutes to an hour is what we're expecting, kind of. We got a Bad Batch episode for an eight-episode season. I Like, I don't know. Like, they're, like, this is just weird. And we always say, you know, they, they do find a way, and I, I do trust. Um, yeah, and, no, like, I don't have any complaints about runtime this week. I think the way they fulfilled their runtime is, uh, I think they did a really effective no, job with yeah. the short a time as they did this week, which is really impressive. And I think it only lends itself to a pretty good job critically, as far as the critical rating will be concerned. I uh, think it's just upsetting in the grand scheme of like we had the longest. Well, it was the longest episode of Mandalorian last week. Am I correct? Yeah. And like it just felt like some of that was just a bit excessive. Like I don't know how much of that was. Give me that time to sit with the main characters instead of Dr. Person. No, and I like I'm not story. even complaining not, about yeah, like mad, who but... it's devoted to. I'm just complaining about like how they used it, I felt like. It just felt like mm. it, again, and and that's probably like I've said it before when we've been rating these episodes, is like I think that like, it's hard for me to rate it now because, like, I'm trying to give room for, like, what the rest of the season might mean to that rating or something. And, like, that's an episode where I feel like the rest of this season could drastically improve it. It's just, like, up to this point, we really don't have any reason to know or think about, like, how much better that episode might actually be with all of the Dr. Pershing stuff because we just don't know where yeah. the fuck it's going just right. yet. Um, But... 
Yeah, no, to this episode, like, for how short it was, like, lot packed in there, felt like it touched on some pretty important things, mm. so I, I ain't complaining. Yeah, um, how, what, what, what do we think we're landing on critically? Eight out of ten. That's my vote. Eight out of ten. I love, uh, listen, I love, I love Ahmed Best as, um, you know, the Jedi. I keep wanting Kevin. to say Kieran. I, I kept wanting to say Kieran. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get that Kellen. in my brain, too. I'm um, terrible with names. Nah, man. Yeah. Like, that scene can't just carry the whole weight of the episode. And not to say that, like, any of the, the stuff with the Shriekhawk or anything else going on wasn't, like, up to, up to, uh, up to speed. But, like, I'm, like I said, I'm trying to rate this on a level where, like, where at the end of the season, if you look at all every rating I've doled out critically for the season, like, where are we at with, like, what the best one was? And, like... We've um, given episode one a seven. Um, that's the lowest. And then episode two was an 8.25, and episode three was an 8.5. Um, I would say an eight was an eight was pretty apt. Because um, I, I do stand by the fact that the last two episodes were critically better done. Um, but I do think this was very, very enjoyable. And uh, I think I think I'm good with that. I do... I do agree. Uh, my my point, my main deduction of why it's why it's not a ten, I guess why it is an eight, is the of how fast it seems to be move. You know, of that weird feeling I have mm. um, that I don't know quite what it is. But that's the thing. What's on screen? It, it is it is good. You know, it is the acting isn't bad. Sometimes there are some line to delip. Sometimes there are some line deliveries that you know, don't quite hit it. home um, and that are, do kind of seem a little like narration at some points. But, mm. but you know, that's, that's only very, very slight, you know, select times. Um, so, yeah, well, well made. And with the new rating system, um, it would average this one to an 867. Um, right. And I adjusted the, the previous as well. Um, and that places this at the second highest episode of the season um, overall. Episode two would be number one, and that's at an 8.83, um, so like an 88%. Um, this one at an 8.67, or at 87, so basically almost the same. Um, then last episode would be an 8.25, um, and then episode one is a 7.58, so quite the dip. Um, on episode one, um, for the critical there, yeah, getting the seven. I don't know, having critical have twice the weight. That's, I don't know, that's big there. You know that that it helps a lot. Interesting. It helps a lot. I don't know, that that spices it. Like actually gives it like a a, a really true rating almost. I think so too. I think it ends up being a little bit more accurate as to what the uh, the way the episode actually feels. You know, I think that's. Yeah. Uh, I think it's more fair. I think it it's more objective, which I think is important. Um, but yeah, so at eighty seven, right? That's what it lands at. Yeah, eighty seven. Mm-hmm. Eighty seven. All right, I'll take it. That's a pretty good episode. That's a pretty damn good episode of television. Um, but uh, with that, due to some scheduling restraints, I think we're going to go ahead and put off the Bad Batch coverage until next week and do the last three episode arc all together i think that'll be uh i think that'd be a fun little project there maybe depending on what the episode of the mandalorian does maybe put off the mandalorian 
next week until it's a two episode arc with five and six. Maybe we'll see. We'll play it by ear. Depends on how the Mandalorian goes. Yeah, I mean, the the Bad Batch episode, like feeling like where this episode kind of finished and stuff. Like this week, it just definitely feels like finishing the last three together probably makes a lot of sense. But it feels like a very cohesive yeah. arc is incoming, and I'm very excited. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I can't wait to do that. And you know what? Maybe I'm tempted to just declare it like next week will be nothing but the Bad Batch three episode arc, and then we'll return to the Mandalorian for five and whoa, six. But whoa, whoa, whoa! What if like next episode they really pump it and they're like, all right. You then know, we'll, what then if we'll a lot of our answers are, are a we'll lot change of our, our we'll change our we'll change our plan. But right now, I'm thinking that's what the plan that should be. be that's where I'm sitting. Honestly, that's where I'm sitting with Mandalorian right now. You know what I'm saying? Bad. Yeah. Overall, the Bad Batch is just a better show right now. Like, if yeah. it's not enjoyment, the Bad Batch is just a better show. Mm-hmm. Um, no, one hundred percent, and okay. frankly, a little bit of enjoyment as well. That show's just been hit firing on all cylinders. But uh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can't wait for the can't wait for next week. Right now, we'll soft plan for just covering the the last three episode arc of the Bad Batch. If the Mandalorian episode five really brings it, we'll cover that too. But uh, yeah. if it's if it's more of the same, probably probably going to go ahead and put it off until we can cover five and six together. Um, but with that, then I think we'll conclude this episode of Rebellions Bloom. If you would, head to patreon.com slash pennybloompod where you'll find over 50 hours of exclusive content. Uh, tons of shit over there. Book reviews, comic book pull lists, movie reviews, movie rankings, etc., etc. All for $3 a month. You can support this podcast financially, which helps me greatly. It costs me money, and I don't make any off of it unless That's it's over it. <laughs> If you would... Head to Twitter, follow at Penny Bloom Pod, follow on Instagram at Penny Bloom Podcast. I was Colton Robertson. I was joined by Joseph George. Thank you very much, homie. Oh, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here. Oh, and it's always a pleasure to have you. And thank you very much, KBZ Kyler Barnett. Yeah, man, you know, happy to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And remember, peace, love, and bloom. And everything's going to be fine, kid.